We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. Our speaker today is the senior pastor, Tom Nelson. Well, I'd like you to look here at what Charlie read to you in uh, Proverbs in chapter 3, the last paragraph of that chapter, verse 27 through verse 35. And you can see what it's about when you just scan it. And 27, do not. Verse 28, do not. Verse 29, do not. Verse 30, do not. 31, do not. What do you think this is about? And then he shows you after these six do nots, he tells you why not? Because 32, it's an abomination to the Lord. 33, he's going to curse it and the house it belongs to. 34, he mocks them. There's those who scoff. He scoffs at them. He does not take them seriously. They're jokes. And in verse 35, he will literally, uh, he will raise high dishonor among them. He will make them an illustration for future days. It's the Hebrew word grise spot. And that's what you will become, a greasy spot. Let's close in a word of prayer right here. This gets right to it. You know, there's, it's interesting, there's four of the Ten Commandments relate to God, six relate to life. Here you've got six do-nots and then four things about God. It's like the Ten Commandments turned around. Uh, we're moving in the text from wisdom toward God, what is previous, to now your duty toward mankind. The Bible makes no divisibility between your relationship to God and your relationship to men. If you say you have a relationship to God and you treat men unjustly, you never did have a relationship to God. If you love the Lord, you will love his uh, the statue and image he has made to himself. And that is man in the image of God. It's interesting. But after the fall of man, in chapter 3 of Genesis, man goes darkened to God. Chapter 4 is a murder of Cain killing Abel. For what infraction? For none. It's because his brother's deeds were good and he could not tolerate the light. And so we see killing. Then you go to Genesis 6, and a couple of thousand years later in Noah's day, violence filled their hands and corrupted their every deed. After the flood, a guy named Nimrod, and it mentions like seven or eight kingdoms. It's the first time the word kingdom is used in the Bible. After the Tower of Babel, he starts moving in and conquering. He is simply called a great hunter in the eyes of God, in the face of God. He is inhuman to man. With no knowledge of God, man is an animal. Can that ever happen? Yeah. And then you go to Abraham, in chapter 12, who is afraid during a famine to go into Egypt because he says there's no fear of God in this land and they're going to see that you're beautiful and kill me just to get you. And then Genesis 14, you've got a coalition of six kings and five kings and they're at war over who can take somebody's property. And they destroy Sodom, take people captive, and Abraham has to be SEAL Team 6. Abraham has to go get them out. 
And so, does that set the path of the Bible? Yeah. Murder, war, John chapter 8. Satan was a murderer from the beginning. He's the one behind it. If you hate an artist, what do you try to do? Destroy his work. God turned man, I'm sorry, Satan turned man against God. And verses later, he turns man against man. To a fellow named Theodorus of Mopsuestinus, don't worry about it. Way back in about the fifth century, fourth century. He said that uh, after God made the creation, he put a statue in the middle of it to show who made it. And the statue was Adam in the image of God. And so to be ungodly will be to be inhuman and to have inhumanity. The greatest commandment, Jesus, what is it? Love the Lord your God, heart, mind, soul, strength. And the second is like it. They're indivisible. And love your neighbor as yourself. You've got to feel what your neighbor feels because he's you. It's like you. Chapter commandments one through four, God. Five through 10, man. James three, with your mouth you bless God and with that same mouth you curse men. Made in the likeness of God, my brethren, these things ought not to be this way. That's from the first writing of the Christian church, James, your first epistle says that's not right. Uh, chapter 9, whoever shed, or Genesis, whoever sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed because he is in the image of God. That's why you don't, because of the glory of who this man was. If you were the devil, what would you do? I would darken man to God, and then I would tell man that he used to be an animal, but in time he just progressed that he is essentially inhuman. As a matter of fact, there is no term human. It's just an illusion. And I would get rid of God and get rid of man in one fell swoop if I was the devil. Well, a little more encouragement as we go into this. These five do nots grow in intensity. They start with paying your bills. Verse 28, pay them on time. In verse 29, uh, don't become a methodical crook and deviate from justice. Then in 31, don't follow the crowd that says do this. And then in verse 33, you do and there is a curse coming where there could have been a blessing. There is scoffing coming where there could have been grace. And there is dishonor coming where there could have been honor. You have taken the wrong turn. The book of Micah says, it is sound wisdom to fear thy name. And so it gets worse. What does uh, Paul call sin? A little leaven. Leaven is a... Uh, it's alive, it's a bacteria, it grows, it takes over. It'll leaven the whole lump. So you've got to deal with sin in verse 27 or you're gonna end up a greasy spot because it is going to grow. Uh, when God is scorned, there is a mushroom cloud that follows. Did y'all know that? Always. 
If you can refuse God, then you have no reason to honor man. And if you will start with just not paying your bills, you can end up in a Holocaust and a genocide. That's why Jesus said, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. It's going to lead to that. Uh, if I was going to make a movie on the fall, I would, first you've got to cast the serpent. That's real hard to do. All right. But I would cast the serpent. We don't even know. It's the only animal that got physiologically changed after the fall. We don't know what a serpent was. It's interesting, but the word nekash or serpent is real close to the word nekash for deceiver. It's real close. Now, I can't quote anybody on this. This is just my thinking as to why Eve could see an animal speaking and, and follow after it. Said he was the craftiest or the wisest. He was the most superlative of the animal realm. And I have wondered, just wondering, if he had a amazing predilection to imitate. Like a parrot does. You always got to watch what you're saying around a parrot, you know. That if this creature could not hear and replicate it perfectly. So that whenever he came and spoke, that that was not abnormal to this young human. And uh, actually, that's kind of the way Satan is. He has nothing original to say. He just perverts what has been said. But he speaks to her and separates her from God. And I think if I was making the movie, I would get an up-close shot of the serpent's eyes. You ever looked into a snake's eyes? They're dead. They're dead eyes. And I think he would be looking at Eve, and you would see the reflection of Eve in his eyes, up close. And he sees her eat and Adam eat. You see the upturned corners of his eyes as there is a snake smile. You ever seen a snake smile? It's a frightening thing. And there is a smile. And then I would put in the snake's glassy eyes a cavalcade of the snake's imagination as to what is coming. That you would see a murder, a rape. You would see armies marching. You would see cities burning. You would see drive-by shootings and children dying. And then you would see a mushroom cloud. People evaporated. You would see Armageddon. That, that's Satan standing astride the world and saying, behold my power, to reduce to rubble all that God has made. I read the end though. He loses. All right. But that's what this text kind of is about. Do not, do not, do not. Because you're not just breaking a rule. You're offending the deity. And there are conclusions to that. It is sound wisdom to fear thy name. And so we go to verse 27. And this is your first do not. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it's in your power to do it. It says pay your debt. If you're broke, you can ask for an extension. If you've got the money, pay your debt. Matter of fact, the Hebrew says, do not withhold good from its owners. 
they have an obligation for you to pay them. You don't get a choice. If you have borrowed, then you have to pay. Uh, have you ever, any businessmen ever been stiffed to where you worked and did something and the guy didn't pay you and you made a call, never got back to you and he just knew that it's gonna cost you more with a lawyer's deal to get the money than to pay you? Steve, you ever been stiff? And he's an undertaker. <laughs> you know what I'd do? I'd take my shovel. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to wake up on a Monday morning and see your grandpa laying there. <laughs> I'm just trying to think about that. That's why in uh, like Chicago, New York, the land of the 1800s with all the immigration going from the field to the urban setting, and there was all the immigrants that would work for nothing. And uh, it was kind of laissez-faire government. And the uh, businesses took over the police departments, took over everything. Boss Tweed and his folks, a lot of corruption. And uh, what they would do is they just would, no, nah, I'm not going to pay you. Because they knew that you had no reason. No, uh, no, no restore. What do you call it? Recourse. recourse. You had no recourse. You couldn't go to anybody. No one's going to listen to you. And so, what they started doing is what they would do in Sicily, to where when the government did you wrong, you would go to a feudal lord that was called a don, and you would go around all the red tape, and you would go to Don Corleone, or Don Tatalia, or Don Barzini, or Don Lucas. Okay. And you would just say, we've been done wrong. I, a Sicilian, you, a Sicilian, I've been done wrong. And it was just like, if you know about feudalism, a feudal lord and the serfs, I'll take care of you, but now I own you. So that's what it was. I'll take care of it. And so he went around and you simply went to the guy that owed you and you said, I'm going to break your kneecaps. And then I'm going to break your son's kneecaps. Then your wife is not going to come home until it's paid. That's illegal. Do something about it. And so those guys would take over. And they called the group Our House. Cosa Nostra. That's our guys. And that's why a lot of times when guys get stiff, you need the mafia. You really do. Don't email me. All right. But that's why you want to do that. You want to go around and show up. I knew of a businessman in town that was not being paid by a certain guy. And he simply got tired of it and he pulled his truck up and he went through and started taking out all of his office furniture. Right, during the day, you know, he just basically <laughs> emptied his office. I'm going to go sell these things. Oh, let's talk. Okay. The Bible says, render to what is due them, tax to whom taxes due. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. Pay your debts. Leviticus 19, 13. You are not to oppress your neighbor nor rob him. 
The wages of a hired man are not to remain with you all night until morning. You don't take advantage of the poor man and say, I'll pay you when I can get around to it. You pay it now. Deuteronomy 24, 15. You shall give him his wages on his day before the sun sets because he is poor and he set his heart on it. He's got to eat Monday so that he will not cry to God and it becomes sin to you because God is going to line up on his side. Don Yahweh. And he'll take care of the little guy. James 5, 4. The pay of the laborers who mowed your field and has been withheld by you cries out against you. And the pay of those who did the laboring uh, or the cries of those who have be, done the laboring has reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Lord Sabaoth means Lord of all. You have messed with the wrong person here. To give to the poor is to lend to God. He who mocks the poor mocks his maker. He is in the image of God. And so pay your debts. Now, is that good wisdom? That's something your daddy would tell you, okay? Let's go on a verse more. We open up the headers a little bit. Verse 28, pay him on time. Don't say to your neighbor, go and come back, and tomorrow I'll give it when you have it with you. There's an old Latin proverb that says, he gives twice who gives promptly. Pay when you're asked to pay. How many of you in the eighth grade had to memorize the village blacksmith? Okay. <laughs> Longfellow, under the spreading chestnut tree, the village smithy stands, the smith. A mighty man is he with large and sinewy hands and the muscles of his mighty arms are strong as iron bands and he looks the whole world in the face for he owes not any man. I learned that in the eighth grade under Miss Hughes. Uh, remember a guy in the Old Testament named Boaz? Jesus is great, 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 great grandpappy. He is a man of Bethlehem, of Judea, and he rides in a wicked day. It's the day of the judges. And he rides up on his bountiful harvest. God is blessed. And he says to his workers, the Lord bless you. And they said back to him, and the Lord bless you. That's the way it should be. Where the, the owner says, God is going to bless you. And they said, because God has blessed you. So you don't need a union right there. You don't need a strike. You got a man who is ruled by God. Y'all remember the unions? That was America's answer to what was called white slavery and Northern industrialism that they would do with you what you wanted to do and the only thing you could do was collective bargaining and then a strike. How many of you have ever seen How Green Is My Valley? Okay. Once upon a time, <laughs> it's about Welsh miners, M-I-N-E-R-S, and uh, they were working, you know, got hurt, they were, that's just too bad. 
and early 1900s, the sense was they said to their priest, we're not coming to church. And he said, why not? And they said to him, because you've got nothing to say. You talk all your heaven. We're living here on potatoes. And the church has nothing to say in our mining town. And he stepped out and he said, organize, but be just in your organization. And so it was a, anybody ever seen the Grapes of Wrath, Henry Fonda? Yeah, they wouldn't let that show be shown because there was, they felt it was too Marxist about capitalist uh, abuse and the non-compassionate use of accumulated wealth. And Tom Joad stands up. So they didn't let that show be shown because they dressed all the uh, good socialist guys in white as though they felt it was communistic in its leanings. But that's where we've always had this problem with the non-compassionate use of accumulated wealth. And the politicians won't tell them because they're the guys that got them in business. And the little guys get ground up, the serfs, the hourly wage, the immigrants, the Dutch, the Irish, the Jews, the Italians that have to work, the black guys down in the South. And so what happens is we can't get justice. Now the Bible tells you, slaves, honor your masters. There were 60 million of them in the Roman Empire. And masters, do justice to your slaves and give up threatening, knowing that you also have a master in heaven and there is no partiality. So you're both accountable to God. That's the way you solve stuff. It's called maturity and love. It's called Christ. What's the uh, chocolate that they eat in England? Cadbury's. I biked over in England for three weeks. I ate 74,000 of those. <laughs> right before I got my false teeth. <laughs> And uh, Cadbury's was well known in England because in the early 1900s, the Cadbury brothers were Christians and they were using, see, it was a real problem when you went in the industrial revolution because whereas you would have 500 guys making chocolate by hand, all of a sudden you got where you had steam run machines and now you didn't need 50 guys. You needed one guy to hit a switch and to watch it. Then you just could use one girl to hit a switch. Then you can use a 12-year-old. And if you didn't want to work, get out. We're going to pay you this. And if you don't want to, I got 10,000 other people. And now the guilds were gone. How are you going to deal with that? Well, the Cadburys had all their guys would work. And they built their own city for them and their own nice homes out of the Cadbury guys' money and you didn't get laid off, you had time off, you had a five-day work week, and you had all these things, and nobody commanded them to do it. You know why they did it? They were Christians, and they did it. And so they were, they were ahead of our time. Okay. And that's why so often we have to have government step into business because of the non-compassionate use of accumulated wealth. Can it get ugly both ways? Yeah, you can have workers that require so much that the guy starts losing money. And so you can have a lack of Christ-likeness. See, God has rigged society that it won't work unless you oil the parts with grace. It won't work. There's a catch on it. 
And so, pay your debts and pay your debts on time. In verse 29, let's go a step further. Don't devise harm with your neighbor when he lives securely. Don't contend with a man without cause. Don't, now we're getting from discompassionate to criminal, to where you're lying on your bed as to how you can make money without working, but take it from the guy who does work. What, anybody ever been stolen from? Raise your hand. Okay. Stand up and just curse. Okay. <laughs> you ever, you've been stolen? Steve, you ever been anything stolen? Like a body or? Okay. Yeah. Steve and I work a lot together. Yeah, my son is with property crime in Fort Worth, and he loves it. He loves it. He says, I'll just quote him, don't email him. He said, there's nothing lower than a thief. I'm not going to work. I'm going to let you work. Then I'm going to take it from you and make you cry, and I'll go spend it. And John says, we like to get the videos on them, and we like to leave them in their house. Because once you steal something, you can't just use it. You've got to sell it. All right. I mean, you don't steal a chainsaw so you can go work the back 40, you know. You're going to sell it. And uh, he said a lot of times these thieves, they're real sharp. They'll steal something and they'll sell it on eBay. And they'll take a picture of it in their kitchen with like the refrigerator behind them with family pictures on them. And John gets them. They got the computer stuff now. You sell it in a pawn shop, that pawn shop goes, beep, there it is. Here's the picture. Hello. Known you for years. And John said, they don't know that you're sending out a warrant. You go to the judge, see that, see that picture? There he is. Yes, sir. Go get him. Thank you. Then you hand it out and you know that he's home. You know, just having a good time. Eating him a Wendy's. And all of a sudden, Fort Worth Police Department opened up. He said, you can hear their excretory system <laughs> from outside the door. <laughs> and they, all of a sudden, they're dead. You know what, Steve? You always put a guy out in the backyard, though. Because they're going out the backyard. And you grab them. One time, my older son, Ben, was serving a warrant. Ben doesn't have the finesse of John. And a guy took off running, and he, Ben saw him go up under a house, a peering beam. And Ben got up on him, and he yells in after him, Kenneth, I see you. I see you. Kenneth, there's cops all around here. And he wouldn't come out. So Ben goes, he's a creative kid. He yells to his guy in the unit, bring in the snakes. <laughs> Which ones? Give me the A team. Give me the big boys. Stay right there, Kenneth. Kenneth's coming out like this. He goes over the top, on top of the car. Snake team six. <laughs> 
And so these are guys that sit around and think, how can I steal? And what uh, the Bible says, love does no, does no harm to a neighbor. Love is the fulfillment of the law. To abuse, rob, seduce, steal, con, slander, extort, lie to, bully. That is when you harm your fellow man and you don't care. Do we have a little problem with that today? You ever see the Green Mile or JC, John Coffey? He's ready to die and go home. He says, people so ugly today. It's like glass in my brain. It's just painful to look at it. You're watching the news programs and go, turn it to gun smoke. Let me see some bad guys get shot. Commandment 10, do not covet. Don't you even want that guy's wife. Don't you even want that guy's donkey. Don't you want that guy's house. You respect private property. That is one of our inalienable rights that God gives to humans. You don't move the boundary that the fathers have set, Pharisees, and take that woman's home. You don't do it. One of our staff women said one time she looked up and her son was coming through the house uh, with something. She didn't know how he got it. And mamas can sense. <laughs> Come here. Where'd you get that? Oh, from an alien. <laughs> yeah. Come here. Did you get that at the convenience store down there? Yeah. Come on. Come on. Take it with you. Now you get in there and you confess to that man what you did. And then you pay him for what you did. She nipped it. And, and she never did it again. But she nipped it. I used to work, I was at a convenience store. I have a convenience store by me. There was a girl who worked there, a wonderful girl named Marie. And I shared the gospel with her a number of times. She was a believer and went and visited her son when he was in the hospital. We were close. She died of lupus. And uh, she worked behind the desk. And she, uh, I remember one time I was in there and a girl came up and she said, yeah, yeah, thank you. What's in your bag? Hmm? Your bag. What's in your bag? And she grabbed it. Well, well, where'd that come from? Head goes down. I'm sorry. So am I. Boop, boop, boop. Give me the police department. She called the cops in. She said, you've been doing this and you're going to answer right now. I didn't see the rest of it because I ran out the back. <laughs> <laughs> Dropped everything I had. Out the back. You know, Chuck Colson, y'all remember him? He said he debated one time with a professor over uh, whether you should post the Ten Commandments in a school, whether that was right. And at the end of it, he said, me and the guy just sat around talking. We were about the same age. And he said, the guy just kind of waxed eloquent. But he said, boy, these kids are out of control. They are out of control. Chuck said, I know. 
That's why we do prison ministry, because that's where it goes to. And the guy says to Chuck, without batting an eye, you know, what we need in these schools is some rules. <laughs> Boy, it's amazing. Of course, rules by who? Who says? How about God's? He goes a step further in verse 31. Uh, incidentally, let me wax vehement just a second on that. Do y'all see a lot of talk in our day about values for value's sake? Like I say, the Buffalo Bills had values, all of them on the back of their helmets. Be nice, be kind, be whatever. They have now your cleats will have your message on it. And it's always a moral message. And so we're making moral messages because man can't escape what he is, man in the image of God. And he, he may act atheist, but he reacts Baptist that I need to be treated with justice. And the problem is all they show is one dimension. We want to have good, not bad. That's it. And you, I always ask, be nice. Says who? Be nice. And what is nice? No, you be nice because God is love. Amen? And that's why you be nice. And you be nice because good is better than evil. Amen? And there is evil. And you don't do it. And that is why Jesus came to die because God loathes what you've done. And that's why you put your trust in him to be saved, that you will not be unnice no more. You and I are the only guys that can put messages out there. We tell them what good is, why to be good, what evil is, how to get rid of it. And if you don't, you go to hell. Just once I would like to see a t-shirt that says, be nice. Because God is nice. Unnice is evil. Jesus died for evil. Repent or go to hell. Wouldn't that be great? I'd like to see a news program. Hey, we'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then, take care and be nice or go to hell. <laughs> back to you, Jim. Boy. Thank you, Cicely. Boy, that hell's a bad place. It sure is. How about that Super Bowl? Wouldn't you like to see that? They can't say it. Amen? They all want it, but they can't say God, sin, Christ, or hell. They're yammering. They're rattling. They're noisy gongs and they're clanging cymbals. They're emotion without meaning. And they're not going to get anything done. See, God ain't running for God. There's no plan B. You do it his way. You look in your Old Testament, you'll never see a show of hands in Jerusalem. <laughs> what should God do? Well, 31, we go a step further. Uh, 31, here's why you're going to do this stuff, because you've got bad values. Don't envy a man of violence and don't choose any of his ways. The reason you do evil is because you watch evil men and they get evil stuff quickly. 
The, the pleasures of sin are but for a season, but the wage of sin is death. So don't get fooled by the pimps and the pushers and the violent and the Cosa Nostra. Ever watch The Godfather? Don Corleone gets shot and Santino gets shot and Michael's daughter gets shot and Fredo gets shot and Paulie gets shot. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. They all get killed. Al Capone dies of syphilis. Dutch Schultz gets shot. Uh, Benny Bugsy Siegel gets shot in the eye. They don't end well. That's why Psalm 37 says, don't envy a man of violence because he's going down. You cultivate in the land and do good. You do right. Don't be trying to get ahead for nothing. Is that always a flirtation when you're young to do that? Don't see the facade. See what's behind it. And in verse 32, let's go a step further. Because the devious are an abomination. That's a term for the abhorrent that will not exist in his presence. He is intimate with the upright. Or literally, uh, it says, he is the private counsel of the upright. You could have walked with God and had his hand on you. But instead, God sees you as an abomination. The prayer of the wicked is an abomination. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination, especially when he comes with wicked motives. And so, Old Testament says, when I was silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. Night and day, your hand was heavy upon me. David said, don't do it. It is one miserable life. Paul said to the Romans, what benefit were you deriving from the things of which you're now ashamed? The outcome of those things is death. And then verse 33, let's go a step further. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked. The Bible says the Lord, you remember whenever Moses said, God, I want to see your glory. And God said, you sit in the, sit in the cleft of the rock. I'll cover you with my hand. I'll pass by and you'll see my goodness because that's my glory because God is love. And he says to him, maybe the most quoted verse in all the Old Testament, God's self-declaration of who he is. The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, meaning thousands of generations. I'm always faithful. Who forgives iniquity, transgression and sins, but will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children of the third and fourth generation. That's not a generational sin. If your daddy listened to Jimi Hendrix, you know, then that ain't it. This, are, how many of y'all have in your life had to deal with the collateral damage of your wicked ancestors? A bunch of you have. Daniel was in slavery with Israel for four generations because of his fathers, Nehemiah, fathers. And so what you do affects your kids, amen? Good and bad. 
James Dobson said the best thing you can teach your kid is that life is loaded. It's going to go off on you. Uh, remember Moses' question to, he said to God when he went to Pharaoh and ordered Israel's relief, let my people go. He said, what if he doesn't listen to me? And God said, we're going to do something that's never been done. What's that? An M-A-R-K-E-L, miracle. That's what you say in Texas. We're going to do miracles. Here's the first one. Take your staff. Yeah, throw it down. It became a snake. Moses jumped back. God said, pick it up. Picked it up and it was a staff. He said, make a note. When God's man tells you this and you say no, there is danger. You're messing with the wrong deity. I can go from a shepherd to a cobra real quick. He says, let me show you another one. Put your hand inside your bosom. Yeah, take it out. Leprosy. Put it back in. It's healed. Not only do I do danger, I can do disease and plague, as Pharaoh found out. And then he said, if those two don't work, go take some water from the Nile. Yeah, pour it out. What was it? Blood. I can go from danger to disease to death. I can kill everybody. And so there's two edges to this sword. So don't, verse 33, draw the curse of God. You want to hear something interesting? This guy wrote a book on the wife of Jonathan Edwards. It was called Marriage to a Difficult Man. <laughs> and a guy named A.E. Winship in 1900 tracked down 1,400 of the descendants of Jonathan Edwards and Sarah Edwards. They had 13 kids. And I believe it's 13. And they published a study of the Edwards children in contrast to a family in New York called the Jukes. A notorious clan who cost New York State a total of $1,250,000 in welfare and custodial charges. Jukes actually wasn't the name of the family. They were called Jukes because it was a word that means to roost. Because they were social floaters with no home, no nest. They originated with one immigrant who settled in upstate New York and produced a tribe of idleness, ignorance, and vulgarity. Well, he checked out the Edwards line. And it turned out that they produced 13 college presidents, 65 professors, 100 lawyers and the dean of an outstanding law school, 30 judges, 66 physicians, the dean of a medical school, 80 holders of public office, three U.S. senators, mayors of three large cities, governors of three states, a vice president, and the controller of the United States Treasury. They, uh, members of the family wrote 135 books. They entered the ministry in platoons. They edited 18 journals. They sent missionary overseas, over 100. Uh, Winship said, there is hardly any great American industry that has not had one of this family among its chief promoters. The family has cost the country nothing. And pauperism, crime, hospital, or asylum service, on the contrary, it is the highest usefulness. And then he closes with, has any other mother contributed more vitality to the leadership of a nation than Sarah Edwards? Marriage to a Difficult Man. Teresa reads that book every year. <laughs> well, 
If you look at verse 34, God is going to scoff at you. You're going to be a joke. Just like guys make fun of God, God's going to make fun of you. He who sits in the heavens laughs. What does Pharaoh of Egypt, Sennacherib of Assyria, Ben-Hadad of Syria, Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, Belshazzar of Babylon, Cyrus of Persia, Alexander the Great, and Antiochus the Fourth have in common? All but one, Cyrus, resisted God. All the guys that resisted became stories of destruction. Except Cyrus, who cooperated, let the people go. And uh, Persia escapes without any judgment at his time. The wheels of justice move slowly, but they grind exceeding fine. Aren't we glad that God is patient? But once he starts, it is a scary thing. Well, the final step in verse 35, the wise, they inherit honor. Fools, they exalt dishonor. They become what the Old Testament says are proverbs. All you got to do is say their name. There are certain names I can't use anymore. I can't. Funniest comedian I ever heard was Bill Cosby. Best assistant defensive coordinator in the country was Jerry Sandusky, Penn State. Bill Clinton. Jeffrey Epstein, was that his name? Ozzy Osbourne. Did you ever see him try to sing the national anthem at a Cubs game? Oh, say! All the guys in the Cubs dugout were coming out. He fried his brain. Pete Rose, maybe the best baseball player that ever lived. Roger Clemens. Maybe the best pitcher that ever lived. Barry Bonds, best home run hitter that ever lived. Never get in the Hall of Fame. Can't talk about it. Shoeless Joe Jackson. Kid said to Shoeless Joe in Chicago, Joe, why'd you do it? He said, say it ain't so, Joe. I did it for my wife and kitties. Years later, Ty Cobb visited him. He was running a liquor store in South Carolina. And he went in and just looked at him. And Jackson, uh, or rather Ty Cobb said to Shoeless Joe, because they were arguably the two best ball players of their day. And Cobb said to him, don't you know me, Joe? He said, I know you, Ty, but I thought you didn't want to know me. Shoeless Joe. Uh, you ever thought about the names that are common in our day? Paul, Peter, Pedro, Pablo, John, also Johann, Juan, Jacques, Hans, Honus, Ian. John in every language. Matt, Andy, Bart, Nathan, James, Jimmy, Simon, Phil, Luke, Tommy. Mary, where'd those names get so famous? The apostles. Anybody want to name your kid Herod? Pilate, 
Judas. Caiaphas, give me a kiss. Caesar, never name your kid uh, Judas, and you never name him Jesus. One name you can't live down, one you can't live up to. Well, I'm done. You might be thinking, sin's pretty serious, yeah. Our culture, what a culture does when it rejects God, which always happens, is the culture first becomes indecent in its arts. There's, play, there's things you can't watch or listen to. It's accepted. And then you become immoral. Whenever you remove God, the first thing going to get affected is your sex drive. You're not going to chain it up. You're going to become perverse. And then what goes is uh, usually the youth, because they haven't learned by experience. They'll buy into it like sheep. And then criminal behavior and violence comes next. And then despair comes. You become, as one philosopher said, a people of atoms and rabbits. That's all you are. You're molecules with a sex drive. That's all that you are. Nothing with a sex drive. And then they said, you go mad. You go crazy. Sometimes do you look around in our day and think, we have lost our minds. We have lost our minds. And that's why you have to have light and salt of the good guys, the Jedis, that know the ways of the force, that hang on to it and wait for the culture to fall while we're still standing. Now you're thinking, Tom, this text is talking about me. You ever see the remake of True Grit? Not John Wayne, Glenn Campbell, but Jeff Bridges, Matt Damon, one of the best Westerns I've ever seen. The whole score of the movie is Southern gospel. If you listen to it, it's all Southern gospel. And little Maddie, this little girl, is going to kill this guy who shot her father in cold blood. He is in a pack of guys with the evil Ned Pepper. And they, she's following him with, with Rooster Cogburn and Matt Damon, the Texas Ranger. And at one point, little Maddie is taken captive by Ned Pepper and Josh Brolin, the guy that killed him. Maddie's got all kind of spunk to her. And she says to, to Ned Pepper, if you'll turn me loose and give yourself up, I can find you a good lawyer. And Ned looks at her and he says, darling, I don't need a good lawyer. I need a good judge. Meaning I'm dead in sin. There's no way I can get out of it. I need a judge that'll show mercy. 
The problem is, how can you get a judge to at once be judicial and still be merciful and not deny who he is? You can't, unless you're Yahweh, where the judge takes off his robe, comes around to the front, pays the debt for his child, and comes back and becomes judge. If God will so love the world that he will give his only begotten son to die, then men will not perish if they just believe in him and they will have eternal life. Amen. That's our only recourse is the word of God as made known in Jesus Christ. So y'all stand firm. Let's all stand together. You ever heard this song? It's called, uh, it's real good this morning. Yeah. <laughs> Trust and obey. You ever sang that? When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet, or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Father in heaven, if there's one boy, one girl, one old guy, one old girl, here that sees, yes, I am a sinner, that they would know that the Bible does not end with Sinai. It goes on to Mount Calvary where the judge dies and is punished that sinners can approach a holy God and be cleansed of all their sin, imparted the Spirit of God, and can be answers to the world's problems. Keep us, God, on thy track. In Jesus' name, amen.